Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And the only disappointing news of the day today, folks, is that it's still raining. We are hopeful that it will be sunny sometime this summer. Um, you know, I think we're deserved at least a month of sun since we had, geez, nine months or six months worth of the winter. It all kind of goes together these days. But I appreciate everybody that listens, watches, and reads Must Read Alaska. If you want to help keep the lights on here at mustreadalaska.com, just go to mustreadalaska.com. In the right-hand side, there's a little donate button. Click on that. Every $5, $10, $100 helps. We're not funded by some big grants or big nonprofit money conglomerate group. We're just funded by everyday folks that care about conservative news in Alaska, and we like to keep the mainstream media on their toes. But without further ado, I have the chairman of the Alaska Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, Brett Huber. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. John, thanks so much. I'm a little bit concerned about your uh, believing that we're deserved a month of summer, uh, <laughs> but I do appreciate your optimism. I think we had summer in June. It was about a day and a half, and for the Alaskans, we're ready, ready for it. I hope you had a picnic. Yeah, we had about 24 hours of it, and that was about it. <laughs> so we're hopeful. John, I'm glad to join you today. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, I'm super excited that you're here. I think it'll be a fun opportunity for folks to hear about, you know, what the Oil and Gas Conservation Commission is, because I think a lot of folks either have never heard of it, don't really fully understand it. So talk me through a little bit about, you know, 30,000 foot overview. What is the Alaska Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. Well, John, I think you're exactly right. I, I like to call it the agency that probably has more impact on Alaskans than any other agency that Alaskans have never heard of. So the Alaska Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, in a nutshell, is we're tasked with regulating the oil and gas industry in Alaska. So we were developed under the Alaska Oil and Gas Conservation Act in 1955. Um, the AOGCC actually existed before statehood. It was one of the first acts passed by the legislature because they understood how important oil and gas development was going to be to our state over time. So our statutory authority basically provides us opportunity to regulate the oil and gas industry to prevent waste, to protect correlative rights, and to improve ultimate recovery while protecting underground fresh water. So to do these things, we have statutory mandates consistent with the protection of health, safety, and the environment. So if it's oil and gas related in Alaska, the Alaska Oil and Gas Commission is a part of it. We closely regulate the industry. It is a very iterative process, and it is one that goes from where to drill a well, how to drill a well, how to develop that well, what changes you want to make to that well, and then metering the oil and gas as it comes off the unit. So what portion of that product belongs to Alaskans? That 12.5% royalty and the severance taxes, et cetera, are part of our authority as well, because we got to make sure that the meters are accurately ticking away and putting dollars in our permanent fund and our state coffers. Is it fair to say that Alaska probably has the highest standard as it when it comes to oil and gas projects in the entire world? 
So I, I think this is a really important point, John, and thank you. Alaskans should understand that when they hear their governor, when they hear their legislators, when they hear the oil companies, when they hear pro-development organizations say, we do it better here than anywhere else, it is not a tagline. It is the truth, John. We are not just the gold standard. We are the platinum standard in resource extraction, and that's specifically true in the oil and gas business. Um, so so it, when somebody like, you know, let's say we have A or B corporation, they go do a well and the well's done done with it's not like it's just left out there for eternity um i think most people just assume that it's just kind of out there uncapped doing its thing there's a there's a process right to cap this well to regulate it to make sure it doesn't leak you guys are involved in that we have regulatory authority over the oil and gas wells from cradle to grave john so our agency gets involved when the companies first design a prospect or a project or individual well. We permit that. We're involved anytime there's a change to that permitting program. We are part of that well through production, through injection, through hydraulic fracture, if that's being utilized. And then when the well is done, it is our agency's responsibility to make sure that well is properly plugged and abandoned and left in a safe state for perpetuity. And you... Uh... You know, for folks that know you, you're probably they probably know you as a guy that likes to cut through the red tape. <laughs> That's a probably a fair a fair expression for how you possibly view government. Talk to me about some of your strategy as it relates to this specific sector of government. Do you want more processes, more red tape, or are you trying to streamline this bad boy? So, I. I, I... You know, I don't know that my viewpoint on this is different than most average Alaskans I talk to, right? We want government there for things that we need government for, but we want them to leave us alone for things we don't need government for. I think that's fairly Alaskan, kind of our libertarian background or bent up here. Clearly, we have constituencies across every one of the different political brands or flavors, um, and that's great. That's what it takes to make a diverse state like this work. But government should do what we can't. It should do that in a way that makes sense. So I, I just bring a couple rules. It's new to me to be a full-time regulator. I've been a policy person most of my career in public life. But I can tell you that I bring three things to the table. Number one is just because you can regulate something doesn't mean you should. Right. Over time, regulators like to add their piece of regulation or what haven't we done yet? What haven't we dealt with? And it comes away from what you really needed to do and becomes its all encompassing bureaucracy. Um, that's a downfall um, of, of just government generally. I think it's noted by a lot of people. So if you don't have to regulate it, don't. If you need to, absolutely. So if you are going to regulate something, do it for purpose and not process. What do I mean by that, John? I mean that regulation is supposed to accomplish something for the public good, for individual health and safety, for the public good, whatever that may be. It has a purpose. Too often regulation goes from purpose to process, and it's about do you have the 17 correct forms? Are they notarized mm -hmm. properly? Was that blue or black ink you signed with? That's process issues, not purpose issues. So I think we should regulate for purpose. Um, and then my last piece is it is not up to the regulatory agencies. We work for and represent Alaskans. Individual Alaskans own our oil and gas. That part of the bumper sticker is right. It is our oil, right? So um, so we we can't think about just the individual agency. We have to think about the individuals that we're working for, and that's Alaskans. So if you're going to regulate an industry, you're going to make sure that it's about purpose instead of process. 
Um, you have to remember that we borrowed these seats, we don't own them, and that it is our job to find a way to get to a yes as we develop our resources, look at Section 8, our constitutional mandate, and not be the keeper of no. Oil and gas doesn't belong to Brett and the Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. It doesn't belong to the legislature. It doesn't belong to the governor. It belongs to the people of Alaska, and that's who we ought to serve. I like that philosophy. I think people will appreciate that because, you know, one of the constant debates in Alaska is the people on the resource. And, you know, we, we can't extract oil on our own land. We kind of signed that right away. And so to be good stewards of that, I think, is very important. And I think that that your philosophy speaks to that. So I think that that's that's exciting and important as you try to accomplish what ultimately will benefit the people of Alaska. So, um, well, and, and that's, and that's what my job here is all about. And the Alaska Oil and Gas Conservation Act is all about is to make sure that individual Alaskans that don't have the opportunity to own our mineral rights because they're collectivized and held by the state have benefit from those resource rights and have an individual voice in that process. So, um, while appointed by the governor and confirmed by the legislature, the three commissioners of the AOGCC actually work directly for the for the public. Yeah. We are quasi-judicial and we're independent, and it's always Alaskans we ought to be concerned with in this process. I like that. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the Alaska um, LNG project. It's been named different names over the years. It's I think it's now AG, AGDC, but a lot of folks around Alaska know it as AKLNG. Um Talk, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that project, um, maybe from your perspective as the commissioner of the um, Alaska Oil and Gas Con Conservation Commission. Sure. So first, I'll give you um, my view of it as a guy that's been often involved in public policy, resource policy, specifically since 94. Um, and as most Alaskans that have been here for a while, I moved to Alaska in 84. We've been hearing about a gas line for a long time, John. We've been hearing about it in a lot of iterations, going in a lot of different directions, meeting a lot of different needs. Um, clearly, we have a tremendous resource on the North Slope behind pipe 40 trillion cubic feet of natural gas with uh, additional reserves expected to be near the 100 trillion mark. Right. To give you an idea, we use about 200,000 million cubic feet of gas in Alaska a day. Um, 40, 40 or 140 trillion is 40 trillion is 30 years of gas exporting and providing for the state. 140 trillion is, you know, power for the state and the Pacific Rim for quite some time. So we've heard about it for a long time. Where are we today? From the AOGC's perspective, we have a dog in this fight because we have to make sure that when gas is taken off of the slope, that enough pressure and enough material, enough CO2, enough seawater, enough other things are kept in place to continue enhanced oil recovery so we continue to get the maximum benefit of the oil on the ground. Now, there's a trade-off. At what point do you begin developing the gas cap and moving that gas down the pipeline? Um, the project is AKLNG. The agency is AGDC. You're right on both points. It's about a three and a half billion cubic feet a day project. My understanding is because of some recent developments, a federal guarantee for loans of up to $30 billion, cost reductions of the project from 60 to about 35 to $38 billion, the potential for carbon capture and the credit program and the potential to produce net zero carbon footprint gas at a price to Alaska, Alaskans of about four and a half dollars and a price to the world market about 650 makes this project more economically feasible than it's ever been. So, well, I am not going to be the guy that predicts a gas line. I'm going to tell you that after watching it for 35 years, 
more of the pieces are in place now than I've seen in the past. That's very exciting. I think that we're headed in the right direction. I think, you know, until um, my good friend, Mayor Charlie Pierce, always told me, until you see the pipe on the ground, don't get excited. So I think we're hopefully headed in that direction. Yeah, there are more players involved in the process. There's more interest in funding. The federal government and the state government on this one, the Biden administration, the Dunley, the administration, the Congress, and the legislature is in line. I think there's a lot of support for this project. So if it's going to happen, now looks like a time for it to happen, and there are more pieces in place. But i got to tell you, I'm with Charlie. Let's see some pipe going on the ground, and then we'll really know what's happening. So let's go back to one of the things we talked about previously a little bit, because I want to put some perspective into folks that are listening to this. Um, there's abandoned wells all over the United States, probably hundreds of thousands I've, is my probably best guess. You know, per state, there's probably thousands and thousands of wells, abandoned wells that are in oil rich areas. What do we, what do we, what is Alaska, what does that look like as we compare ourselves to other states? Um, are we, do we have when many more abandoned wells, many less abandoned wells? My guess is we look pretty good on paper when it comes to that, but talk to me a little bit about that. We not only look pretty good pa on paper, but we look pretty good on site and in the ground. So I'd start this off by saying most Alaskans that have had direct experience with the oil company, whether they've worked on the patch, been aroused about, um, repaired copiers, sold gas, whatever it is, if you've interacted with the oil and gas industry, you see that it's a pretty tightly run ship, that safety is paramount, that environmental protection is paramount. And do they, the companies do this because they're just wonderful corporate people, or do they do it because it's the right way to do business? Well, it is the right way to do business. I think there's some good corporate participants out there, but bottom line is it makes sense for everybody to run a well-regulated industry and do it well. So the orphan wells are a great example, John. Um, Across the United States, there are 800,000 documented orphan wells. It's Jeez. believed that number is well in excess of a million. So an orphan well is an oil and gas well that's been dug, utilized, produced, and then abandoned without properly plugging it, leaving a borehole, leaving a potential for methane escape, leaving a potential to cross-contaminate among the fields underground. So they're a big issue. 800,000 documented over a million in, in existence. In Pennsylvania alone, 338,000 orphan wells. Jeez. Alaska's total list right now, John, on state and private land is 19 wells. <laughs> That's so amazing. <laughs> okay, and, and part of that is just a benefit of when our development happened, right? People think about Prudhoe Bay being the big Alaska find, and then they, they get reminded, well, but Swanson River was down there since, you know, 50 years before we thought about drilling in Prudhoe Bay. What about that? Well, the first oil find in production in Alaska was in a place called Katala near Cordova. It was in 1902. So Alaska has been producing oil and gas for a while. Now, a number of those wells are potentially um, orphaned wells. Sure. We are doing a literature research and some on-the-ground research right now. Our numbers may go from 19 to 39. Um, but still, 39 wells versus 338,000 in the governor's home state of Pennsylvania. Alaska <laughs> does do it right. Another just quick fact that I think will surprise people. We think of California as being the regulated province, the regulated jurisdiction in all of our country. It takes twice as long to permit an oil and gas development in Alaska than it does in California. Why? Because Alaskans care about our resource. Why? Because it's a difficult place to do business. 
Why? Because our oil and gas potential is so vast that it's worth doing it correctly. So when we talk about Alaska doing it better than anybody else, it's not just talk. And I run an agency that's tasked with making sure that that continues to be the case and continues to look out for Alaskans. Well, if there's environmentalists listening to this podcast, which I know there will be, you're going to want to be pro oil development in Alaska because we um, we do it best. We just 19 abandoned wells compared to 300,000 in another state. I mean, it's almost doesn't even register on, on the map compared to other states. And I think that's a testament to being the platinum standard, as you talked about. Um, yeah, it is, John. And it's it's not only, you know, we have to remember, as the environmental community looks at issues like global warming, as I read headlines like the hottest day on record in the last 225,000 years happened last week. As I see those kind of things, and we talk about global warming, you can't be parochial about who you decide to pick on. No more development in the Arctic means Alaska oil should be shut down. That's absurd. We're going to still continue to produce and need oil. It's going to come from other jurisdictions that are not the platinum standard. They're not even, they're the, like the, the tin standard or the paper standard. They're using child labor. They have less environmental regulation. They have more emissions. They do everything wrong. If we don't produce it here, it will be produced there. And if you're going to talk about global environmental impacts, you can't manage by jurisdiction. So we do it better than anybody else. If you care about the environment, you ought to be pro oil and gas development in Alaska. I like that. Well, um, are you hopeful for Alaska? I know you've been doing this for a couple of years now. You've had a number of different roles. Um, you've got to be in meetings where people are talking about grandiose plans and huge opportunities. Are you still hopeful for Alaska? Absolutely. I mean, I moved to Alaska you know, almost 40 years ago now based on the idea of that you can come north and find a future. And that's absolutely the case. This state felt like home as soon as I got here. It feels like home today. And people are still coming to Alaska with that idea in mind. So I'm hopeful for Alaska. We have the people. We have the tradition. We have the culture. We have the resource. We have the rocks. We have the fish. We have the trees. What we don't have is nearly enough of control of our own destiny. So roll back big government. Get Washington, D.C. out of our decision process and let Alaskans decide for ourselves and educate the world on the fact that Alaska is the, the best steward of our resource, that nobody cares more deeply about our state than we do. If we can make those things fall in place, John, um, between our geopolitical, our geologic blessings, um, the strength of our culture and our people, I think the best days are by far ahead. But we have to get under the thumb of those that wish to control us to solve their collective guilt for doing things wrong in their location. Let Alaskans be Alaska and we will do just fine. I like that. Well, our uh, 20 minutes has gone by in a flash. Any last minute thoughts here before we head out? No, just I really appreciate being here. Last minute thoughts from the Alaska Oil and Gas Conservation Commission is listening public, we do work for you. We have a clear constitutional and statutory mandate. We're happy to discuss with it. Love to have people come in and become more involved. We publish our hearings online in the newspaper on our website. Please participate. I think it's incumbent upon us all to understand the oil and gas industry in Alaska. It's been a huge part of our past. It will be a big part of our future. And the more that Alaskans interface with our commission, 
and the industry itself, the better result we'll have for Alaska going forward. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Brett, I wish you nothing but success over there. And thanks again, everybody, for watching, listening, and reading to Must Read Alaska. If you want to help to keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska, go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side, there's a little donate button. Every $5, $10, $100 helps. And uh, until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thank you so much, Brett, for joining us. John, always a pleasure. Thank you. Yep, thanks.